98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Maggie Ho. The headlines. The chief executive Carrie Lam dismisses rumors that Beijing is planning to give Hong Kong an island for it to build flats on. The Medical Association warns that making COVID tests mandatory may put people off seeking treatment. Doctors are urging the government to share its flu jabs with the private sector as they anticipate unprecedented demand this winter. The chief executive Carrie Lam has dismissed rumours that Beijing wants to hand Hong Kong a nearby island to help with the shortage of land for housing. Timmy Song reports. In interviews with several pro-Beijing newspapers, Carrie Lam says she had never heard that the central authorities wanted to hand Guishan Island, which is in mainland waters south of Lantau, to help the SCR tackle its housing shortage. She says such a proposal would sabotage Beijing's policy to protect the environment, and it would be better to reclaim land in Hong Kong. She also complained it's much tougher to free up land for housing these days than in 1997, when she said people didn't care about Victoria Harbour, wetlands or heritage conservation. Mrs. Lam also said her delayed policy address would include measures to help the aviation industry recover. She said it was critical to speed up the airport's recovery, given the opening of the third runway in just a few years' time. China specialist Willie Lam says it's quite definite that the country's next five-year plan will be reflected in a chief executive's policy address. Last Monday, Carrie Lam announced just two days before the scheduled address that it would be delayed until the end of November, so she could ask the central government for help with Hong Kong's economic recovery. Professor Lam says it looks like Hong Kong no longer has the autonomy to map out its own development. The fact that Chief Executive Carrie Lam has to postpone her very important policy address means she has been told to incorporate elements of China's development strategies into her policy address. Beijing is drafting the 14th five-year plan, and it wouldn't be surprising if during Mrs. Lam's visit to Beijing, she will be seeing, of course, the heads of various ministries and the policy address which you will make next month would reflect Chinese realities and aspirations. The head of the medical association, Choi Kin, says his concerned proposed mandatory COVID tests would, put pa- would stop patients who are slightly ill from seeking treatment. The Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, floated the idea earlier this month, but did not say whether it's for all residents or any targeted groups. Dr. Choi noted there are also suggestions for doctors to contact the police when someone refuses to be tested. He said this could damage patients' trusts. They're not supposed to reveal their personal problems to the authorities unless in some specific circumstances, such as child abuse and so on. So in this case, most likely the client is not really harboring COVID-19 because the chance of harboring COVID-19 is 8 out of 1,000. So if the patients do not agree to compulsory COVID testing and you report them to the authorities and there may be a risk of imprisonment, that would not be agreeable. They'll be snitching on their patients. The head of a private doctor's group says the rise in demand for flu jabs ahead of an expected COVID wave during winter has led to an unprecedented shortage of vaccine in the market. Henry Young of the Doctors' Union says its members estimate there are about 30,000 doses short, and he hopes the administration can spare a tenth of that to deal with urgent demand. 
He said he'd spoken to the Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, about this over the weekend, but she hadn't made a decision yet. Dr. Yang said demand for flu vaccinations has tripled, probably because of COVID-19, and this had led to about 200 doctors running out of vaccine stock. A concerned group has urged officials to get out of their air-conditioned offices and get to know Lantau's cows, saying sterilizing the animals is not the best way to solve increasing conflicts between cattle and humans. The South Lantau Buffaloes Society suggests authorities install cameras and lower the speed limit on roads where cattle is frequently hit, bar campers from using the animals' habitat in wetlands and set up nearby animal clinics. Its chairwoman, Jin Leung, has been taking care of local cows for 12 years. The result is another two buffalo die in the accident. idea of today is to push government, put more budget for take care of the buffalo or take care of the cow. But I don't think can push government do all the things I want government do. But I only want try a little bit. I need to be better. The Archbishop of Canterbury and Britain's four other top Anglican clergy have written an open letter saying controversial new Brexit legislation could set what they call a disastrous precedent if passed unamended by Parliament's House of Lords in its present form. They say the UK's internal market bill would breach international law. Here's the BBC's John McManus. The Internal Market Bill is intended to regulate trade between the four parts of the UK once EU laws end in January. But some politicians in Cardiff, Belfast and Edinburgh are concerned. Now they've been joined by church leaders who say that the legislation risks undermining trust and goodwill if it becomes law without the consent of all parts of the UK. The archbishops add that there are enormous moral consequences as they say parliamentarians are being asked to allow ministers to break international law by overriding the Northern Ireland Protocol negotiated with the EU. The French President Emmanuel Macron has called for its security at schools to be strengthened in the wake of the murder of a school teacher near Paris on Friday. The teacher, Samuel Paty, was beheaded by an Islamist-inspired youth after he had shown a caricature of the Muslim prophet Mohammed during a lesson on freedom of speech. People took part in protests yesterday to show their support for the country's secular values. In Paris, a history and geography teacher said he wanted to show his support. <laughs> I'm here out of solidarity because we're shocked by what happened on Friday. There are many teachers who can see themselves being in this person's shoes. There's dread and a lot of anger. Anger because it's a situation you could feel was growing. Italy has unveiled further restrictions intended to stem a surge in coronavirus cases in the country. The new measures the government said were required to stop a second lockdown in Italy. Italian mayors will have the power to close public areas after 9pm. Restaurants will have to display their maximum capacity and no more than six people will be permitted per table. Bars will be closed at 6pm and schools' entrance times will be staggered. In the Chilean capital, Santiago, a day of demonstrations against inequality turned violent as vandals burned two churches, virtually destroying one of them. Police say at least 18 officers were injured. A police headquarters were also fire, was also firebombed. 
but for much of the day, a peaceful crowd of 25,000 people had rallied a central square demanding better public services. Here's the BBC's Jane Chambers. On Sunday evening, a church was burnt to the ground near Plaza Italia in Santiago, while protesters looked on and cheered. It was singled out because members of the police force often use it as their place of worship. Firefighters are working hard to stop the flames spreading to neighbouring buildings. In another part of the capital, called Puente Alto, police stations were attacked and shops looted, and cities in other areas of the country have reported incidents. UN Secretary Antonius the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has urged Armenian and Azerbaijan to observe the latest ceasefire and says indiscriminate attacks on civilians are totally unacceptable. Both countries have traded accusations over which side violated the truce in a conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh. The three-week conflict has left hundreds of people dead and thousands displaced. For the 10th consecutive Sunday, many thousands of people in Belarus have de demonstrated to demand a resignation of the long-term leader, Alexander Lukashenko. But in cold weather, numbers were down on previous weeks. More than 100 people have been detained. Here's the BBC's Sarah Rainford. Rainsford. These giant rallies have been overwhelmingly peaceful from the start, demonstrating against an election people believe was rigged and at the brutal treatment by police of protesters that followed. From exile in Lithuania, the opposition leader Svetlana Tikhanovskaya is attempting to increase the pressure on Mr Lukashenko. She's issued an ultimatum telling him to step down by October the 25th or face a crippling national strike and renewed protests. He's shown no sign he plans to comply with that, and intense pressure on state workers not to strike has so far prevented any mass national walkout. The leading Palestinian politician and negotiator Saeb Eraka has been rushed by ambulance to hospital in Jerusalem as his condition after contracting COVID-19 has worsened. Mr Eraka, who is 65, received a lung transplant three years ago. And now a quick look at finance. Hong Kong stocks finished Monday's morning session on a positive note, fueled by hopes for a new U.S. stimulus package. And a short moment ago, the Hang Seng Index was trading at 24,582, up 195 points from the previous close. Currencies and the U.S. dollars was trading at 105.42 yen. The euro was standing at one US dollar and seventeen cents, and a pound was worth ten Hong Kong dollar and two cents. Official figures show China's economic growth grew a slower than expected four point nine percent in the third quarter, as businesses and spending recovered from the coronavirus pandemic. It followed three point two percent GDP growth in the second quarter. For the first nine months of the year, China's economic economy grew 0.7%. A spokeswoman from the National Bureau of Statistics, Liu Aihua, warned of uncertainty ahead. As we see this trend of improvement, we also need to take note that the pandemic situation outside China is still serious. The international environment is still filled with uncertainties. Effective demand is still insufficient. The recovery of different sectors and companies is still uneven. So there is need to further strengthen the foundation for continuous development of the economy. 
Industrial output expanded for the sixth straight month in September, rising 6.9 percent from a year earlier. Year-on-year retail sales edged up 3.3 percent, and fixed asset investment increased 0.8 percent in the first nine months compared to the same period last year. Now to sports. Here's Adam Jung. We start with baseball. The Los Angeles Dodgers have booked their place in the World Series for the third time in four years, thanks to the long ball and some timely defense in Game Seven against the Atlanta Braves. Dodgers right fielder Mookie Betts made a leaping catch to steal a home run from Freddie Freeman, with the Braves up 3-2 in the fifth. Kike Hernandez tied the game in the next inning with a solo blast. Cody Bellinger followed with another dinger in the seventh, and the Dodgers won it 4-3. They'll face the Tampa Bay Rays in the 2020 Fall Classic, which starts Wednesday morning Hong Kong time. It's a matchup between the two best teams during the regular season. The Rays are also the third team from Florida to reach a major pro sports final during the pandemic. Now to football in the English Premier League, where Aston Villa's impressive start continues. They've made it four wins out of four after Ross Barkley hit a stoppage time winner against Leicester in a one-nil victory at Villa Park. Barkley has impressed his manager Dean Smith since arriving on loan from Chelsea. He's got a great work ethic and great work rate. He covers the ground on the pitch, and、uh, you know you can see、uh, the the link up he's got with、uh, Jack Grealish and John McGinn and Douglas Lewis.、Uh, you know they've got a really good understanding already, which shows that he's a, he's a top player. West Ham United came back from three goals down with under 10 minutes to go to rescue a point in a stunning comeback at Tottenham. Their equaliser from Manuel Lanzini came on the 94th minute. West Ham manager David Moyes felt he did the right thing by sticking with the players he selected. It's、uh, one of these moments you get in football. Not very often you come from three down. It, you know, probably. You know, at one point you're saying how how bad could this get? Because we were three down probably after I don't know 15 minutes or so. But、uh, you know, I hadn't I hadn't thought we played badly in the first half at all. I thought we had actually played really well. Of course, you can't say you play well and you've lost three goals in opening ten minutes. But that's what I said at half time. And I think the hard the toughest decision was not to make any decision at half time. Because sometimes you know you feel that you have to do something for the sake of it. The plan was to make sure we don't go four down, and we said if we got one goal, then we'll see what happens. So, I think more importantly was the way we played. We controlled long parts of the game,、uh, and I think it's a growing confidence we've got at West Ham at the moment. Sheffield United picked up their first point of the season with a one-all draw at home to Fulham. Brighton and Crystal Palace also played to a one-all draw, and that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. The chief executive Carrie Lam dismisses rumors that Beijing is planning to give Hong Kong an island for it to build flats on. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Monday afternoon. Monday, the 19th of October, is today's date. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew, and also many thanks to, to Carolyn Wright sitting in for me last Friday. We have a very busy program for you. We've got a, a full house today. Just after half past one, we'll be chatting with Catherine Platt, who is the executive director of the Hong Kong International Literary Festival. And she'll be chatting about what's on this year. 
what an interesting year. We're still going to have some international and local authors for this year's event. And we'll wait for Catherine to tell us uh, who we've got on.